0: Sam Valentine, One Broke Actress, here with the first ever episode of the One Broke Actress podcast, and I'm really excited. I have been working on this for a long freaking time, and I'm glad you finally get to listen to some of it. Um, before we get started, I want to make sure you guys kind of know who I am and what I am doing. OneBrokeActress.com was a culmination of my efforts to tell the honest truth about what the middleman, average LA actor life is actually like. So that's what you're going to get on this podcast. You're going to get people you know, people you don't know, tips and tricks. And it's kind of nice to hear everyone else's struggle story. So that is what we're doing. Uh, This podcast is completely self-produced in my own living room, meaning if you hear any background noise, (laughs) it is a dog or a refrigerator or sometimes AC when we're feeling rich not very often. Anyway, I thought really long and hard about who should be the first guest, who you should hear from as the original episode, and I settled on my acting coach, Sarah Mornell. If you haven't heard of her, she is a working actress who's been in the business for quite some time since she was a child, actually, and she is also now an acting coach. Sarah teaches intensives, master classes. She does one-on-one private coaching. She's kind of my mentor. God, I kind of hate the word mentor, but she really is, and I think that's why she makes the best first episode because you will see from here on out where I get my acting career philosophy, I guess, kind of see the basis of it. Uh, I only met Sarah a couple years ago actually. I have done so many so many acting classes and workshops and things that I was told to sign up for by a friend or was recommended to me and I said sure yeah whatever and I paid them over time a lot of money some of them and a lot of them are kind of (laughs) garbage. You know what I'm talking about. You pay someone some money and then you're walk away from it, and you feel like you did something that day, but what did you take away that you could implement in your career the next day? That was always my issue. God, I remember there was one I went to, and I'm not going to name the name because I don't want to get sued, but I went to a weekend workshop, and I paid a decent amount of money for it, and it was nine cumulative hours, and we didn't act once. Yeah. We used our imaginations, I guess, uh, but we didn't do any actual acting. And when I left, I thought, I am never paying for something like this ever again. And a couple weeks later, I signed up for Sarah's uh, weekend intensive, which is how she starts all of her actors. And... uh, the difference from the first moment she started was palpable. She doesn't take shit, which God, I love that. She doesn't sugarcoat anything, which is how I like it to be. This this business doesn't sugarcoat things for you, so I, I loved that from the moment I met her, and I thought this is something. So in today's podcast, she kind of delves into her history, uh, what she's learned from you know starting out at an early age as an actor how she wound up in L.A. when she quit acting for a little while, how she came upon coaching. And she also gets into her coaching techniques, kind of her opinions, um, and gives you a little preview of kind of what it is like to have her as a coach. And there is some epic, epic information in here. I think you will love it. I think you'll love her standpoint on things. And she's so realistic. You're just going to love her. So before I forget, make sure you like, subscribe, and share this podcast as much as you possibly can. It makes a huge, huge difference, and I'm actually going to do a contest. So if you subscribe to the podcast, take a screenshot of your subscription and email it to me, and I'm going to enter you in to win a contest of a mystery box that I'm going to send to one person. Okay, don't everyone get so excited. No, this is cool, I promise. I'm not just going to send you some sample size things. Like, I'm going to put together a cool-ass package and send it out. It's going to be some of my favorite things from my monthly obsessions on the website, something I think might be good for you, maybe a book, maybe a product, maybe a couple of things. It's going to be good. So subscribing to the podcast gets you an entry. And if you subscribe and review the podcast – I will put in five entries. That's right. Five times the opportunity to win a gift box from yours truly. And this is for guys and girls alike. So if you're a dude and you win, I will change the prize to make it cooler for you. I promise. This is sweet. I'm really excited to send you guys a package. So subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, screenshot it, and email it to me at sam at and I will send you some goodies. I promise. Sam at samvalentine.net. Send me your screenshots of your subscriptions and your ratings, and I'll send you a prize package. Without further ado, please enjoy the first episode of the One Broke Actors podcast. Okay, so I'm here with Sarah Mornell. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hi. How's it going? (laughs) We've talked so many times but never into a microphone. I
1: know. <laughs> I like the microphone
0: aspect of this all. Sarah is now an Atlanta resident and uh she's here in Los Angeles. She comes back uh what like every two months right now to teach?
1: Uh it's been um, it's been about every two months, month and a half, yeah. Okay. But I've I've been I moved six months ago. I've been this is my third time back. So has it really been six months? So I guess that's every two months. Wow. Wow. Actors doing math. <laughs> Uh yeah. So in your own words, like
0: getting from where you were born into Los Angeles, into Atlanta. How did you get here?
1: <laughs> wow. <I> um
0: know. <laughs> big
1: big question. You mean about my acting journey, my coaching journey? Uh kind of, kind of
0: both. I'd be interested in like the acting journey first, then we can talk to you about cuz that transitions to your coaching. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm i i i was i grew up in a very very small town um and uh the middle child of two shrinks notoriously the most fucked up children in the world um and and extremely introverted shy quiet and just different yeah special was used to describe me a lot you were special i was special You were in Northern California? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Marin County. Okay. I don't really know how acting found me, but it seems so strange that an introverted, shy, quiet person would ever want to be on stage. And I, I mean, I definitely struggled and suffered from stage fright most of my life. (laughs) Um, Probably still do to some extent. Um, But... I just know that when I was 13 I went away to a drama camp and uh Steamboat Springs Perry Mansfield. And it was like <laughs> Was it like an overnight camp? Yeah, overnight, sleep away. Oh my god. Um my parents would do that. They'd send us away for like months on end during the <laughs> summer. Uh and I found like my people and for the first time ever in my life I felt like I belonged somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um and from that went to um, England when I was 16 um, to the British American Drama Academy, Blythe and Company. I went to Oxford twice during the summers to study Shakespeare and was at a high school uh, where, where I was very much an outsider. Um, coming from a middle class family, we were going to school with Guggenheim's and Daniel Steele's kids. And wow. you were cool if you were like really poor. Of which there was like five, <laughs> but being middle class, um, in that
0: sector, that's basically poor. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But not as cool as scholarship. Oh, gotcha. Um, and we were Jewish. Oh, so, okay. um, that was also not well received. Um, really? Mm-mm. Interesting. Mm-mm. I, my brother was, was actually called a kike. No. People still use that word. Well, they did. I went to high school like a million years ago. So. um yeah, I hadn't ever really heard it. Um but it was it was it was tough and when um and everything was very regimented. Um I uh they they wanted to to, to put me in choir and then from choir, they wanted to put me in a select group called Camerata. And it was very technique oriented and like specific and brutal. Like the head of the department was just terrifying. And I just remember being scared all the time.
0: The kind of classes where like everyone broke you down to build you up kind of thing. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. Performing was just terrifying. Um, And then uh, in... My senior year, I was starting to look at schools, colleges, and the drama department decided that they were going to do um, – the musical that year was going to be The Wiz. Um, it was – like, I think there were two black people in my class, maybe maybe four. So I just didn't understand the point of it, and I thought it was racist, and I thought it was stupid. My uncle's black, and, and I just decided um, that I wasn't going to audition for the role of Dorothy. And I'm pretty sure, like, the head of the department was – that's where she wanted me to – that's what she wanted me for. And so mm-hmm. I boycotted uh, because I was like, look, why not do The Wizard of Oz? You know, like, this right. is me saying I'm going to go and audition for Dream Girls. Right. You know, I would love to do that in my imagination, but I would be – it would be so offensive for me to get up there and sing. I'm telling you I'm not going. Right. It's not about that. It's just not. <laughs> So she threatened to fail me, and um, there was a lot of like putting me down. I was told I would never get into Carnegie Mellon as a drama major, and that I should you didn't do the whiz because I didn't do the whiz, and because um, I wasn't that good. Uh. And um, yeah, she threatened to fail me. I still didn't audition, and then Carnegie Mellon had me audition. I got in. As a drama major. I was actually rejected from Carnegie Mellon as a liberal arts major.
0: You were accepted as a drama major and not a liberal (laughs) arts. Correct. What's the main difference between those two things?
1: Uh, You were either accepted into, at the time, the most competitive elite conservatory training in the United States as a drama major completely, that's it, or what was suggested to me is you go as a liberal arts major and hope after a year or two that I would be good enough by taking you know, some classes there to audition to get in. So you, did the, you got backwards. So well, they, when I submitted to the, the college, the drama department said, well, we want her to audition as a drama minor. Okay. And then when I auditioned, they said, no, you are that good, and we would like you as a drama major.
0: Did you do... A piece from plays in, co- in like high school and college yeah. we only did plays
1: oh yeah totally yeah. star-spangled girl no yes <laughs> that's what I did I don't know how I remembered that
0: oh my god and uh, a
1: pl- and uh love's labor's lost which is a very uh obscure n- not as well known uh Shakespeare um play because I did that in England wow yeah it was it was an incredible experience Auditioning, getting in. I mean, it was the fame school. I saw that movie when I was a kid. Did yeah. you see that movie? Yeah. And like, that's, I was like, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And when I visited Carnegie Mellon, I was like, that's the fame school. Like, this is it. This is me living my dream. So did it feel like a dream while you were there? Oh, it was been been hell. so
0: different from your last school.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was surrounded by, you know, actors all day, every day, but it was hell. Really? Oh, yeah. We got
0: all of this all of your like theatrical education seems very miserable
1: um wow that's a it's an interesting statement um <laughs> i mean i i was i was like sick to my stomach, scared for four years, terrified we had acting class three hours a day every single day, but we were in school like I remember visiting my sister. She went to UC Davis, and they're like, "It's TGIF." I had no idea what that meant. Like, we did not party at Carnegie Mellon on Friday night. I was doing crew. I wasn't. Oh, you you weren't going out drinking? Wow. No, you get cut. You get cut from the program. So we had sixty people. You look around, and it is that school. Look to your right. Look to your left. In two years, both those people will be gone. And it's true. You know, we, we went from 60 to 17 my junior year. We had 17 people, four women. I was one of four. And they cut people. They, they, can't, they don't do that now. I don't know. I think they put them to a side program or they have more people graduate. But, no, you, you missed a class. You, you were called into the office. It was not your typical college experience. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Um, you know, you, you were surviving on maybe four or five hours of sleep because you'd finished crew at 11 at, at night. And if you hadn't signed up for the rehearsal space, you know, you, you, you weren't getting into rehearse, which you had to, um, until 12 at night and then you still had, you know, other homework.
0: Well, kind of classes where they like like very intense like shakespearean type classes and stuff like that
1: yeah three hours of acting a day voice and speech um dialects movement rhythm um rhythm we had this incredible teacher i can't remember where she was from but man victoria santa cruz and she was always about be the guy be in the moment all about being in the moment i never really got it yeah honestly until i was much much older and I mean, she looked like she would be into, like, voodoo, you know? She was intense. Um, Was rhythm, like, dance? No, it was all these exercises she had created. Cool. I had no idea what they meant. Like, throwing a penny into a jar. And, like, if you did it twice in a row, you were, like, phenomenal because you were in your moment. I don't know, man. Like, a lot of that shit, sorry, uh, I don't get it. You know, I, I remember like
0: being a squirrel one day in class and I was like, cause I went to school for theater, much different, but state school. But I, I was like, how exactly is this going to translate to me being like in a commercial one day? Like I, cause I already knew I was like mentally out of it when yeah. I was like doing it. Maybe if I, maybe I just wasn't in the moment while I was being the squirrel.
1: <laughs> no, I, had that same moment of, and, and maybe we all have where, you know, you're a stick and you're laying there cause you, you're like, okay, fine. I'm a stick. A stick doesn't move. And then they're like, now you're a stick on fire. And everyone's like, you know, and you're like looking out the corner of your eye because you're not supposed to be looking at what everyone else is doing, but everybody's right. looking at what everyone else is doing. And I remember thinking in that moment, what the fuck am I ever going to do this? Like, how am I going to ever fucking use this? Ever. When are you going to be a stick? On fire. On fire. Like, somehow it's like I could handle being the stick, but when they said on fire, it's like, now this is just stupid. <laughs> But you know, I, See, I guess it's imagination work. But kind of. you, you made it through four years there. You graduated. Mm-hmm. You did. Wow. I mean, they—they, they, my freshman year, I got the freshman fifteen fat note. Wait, they wrote you a note that you were—they wrote me a fat note. Uh, and I was oh. warned. <clears throat> so you um, were ready for Hollywood then? <laughs> so yeah, because they would have. They said if I didn't lose the fifteen pounds over the summer, they would cut me. So I. Lost the fifteen pounds. And then um they almost cut me because I had missed more than like five classes in a semester. Um, I was late or I was I liked my boyfriend too much and spent too much time. Like you, you're not allowed to join a sorority or fraternity. You know, it was if this wasn't your life, they had issue with it. So every semester my father was getting a note, like we're warning you that she could be cut. Then it was like, this is her second warning. This is her final warning. And then they said, "This now she's on probation. Uh, and then I was on uh, final probation. Like, And then ultimately I graduated 4.0. Because that's second. just who I am. <laughs>
0: Showing him who's boss. So then you came here? To well, LA? I think
1: what happened is senior year. To me, it, we started doing all these exercises for, like, Greek tragedy. But I was, I've was i never been a great stage actor. I've always... I went to Carnegie always wanting to go straight to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, film and TV, that's all I've ever wanted to do. I've never wanted to do theater. I did a lot of it. Um, and I'm glad I did. I mean, it is great training. Um, but when I started doing exercises and treating them as if the camera was right there I mean that's when the head of the department wasn't writing furious notes throughout the monologue but she was quiet and I remember her saying like the work that I was doing was so still and specific and not that overly dramatic thing um you know now looking back I'm like oh that was that was the beginning of of my film and tv training but carnegie never gave me that yeah so yes then i i came uh straight to la i was the only one in my class that did um and i got signed by the paul Kohner agency my dad actually was like with me took me to the interview
0: oh, that's amazing yeah did he move did you move out here with friends did you move out here just by yourself i didn't a know place? Anyone great me i did the same thing oh really yeah i was just i moved to la 48 hours after i graduated college wow i was ready yeah you were where did you go <laughs> missouri state oh okay yeah
1: and you came out here by yourself not knowing anyone mm-hmm.
0: there was a girl who i hadn't talked to in two years who lived in by the beach sure but i had i mean it wasn't i didn't have any friends i didn't move anywhere with anyone i just was ready wow i found a place on apart, uh, roommates.com wow It had an L.A. address. And I was like, done. It was in, like, Lincoln Heights. (laughs) No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. I found a job at the Sunset Marquee Hotel. So I would drive, like, an hour and a half to work every day to, like, host us for eight hours and then drive home. And I, like, couldn't hang out with people because I was like, I don't want to have a drink in L.A. and get on the road. I was so nervous. Yeah. So I, like, did – oh, yeah. And I was, like, in the
1: ghetto. It was crazy. I made
0: some cool friends over there, though.
1: Yeah, I bet. How – like, how – okay, so how long were you in Lincoln Heights? Almost five months
0: and then I made friends with the girl at my place at the restaurant I worked at and I moved into the guest house in her backyard. It was a tool shed.
1: Okay. I I don't understand the air quotes. It was was a tool shed but I was
0: paying $500 a month to live in Hollywood. Right. So I was like done free pretty much. It felt like free.
1: Where would you go to the bathroom? Inside the house. Okay. So sometimes
0: to, they would like do coke off the bathroom sink and I'd like dust it off so I could wash my hands.
1: Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. that's Hollywood. For it was very L.A.
0: And then my parents called one day and they're like, we think we're going to come visit. And I was like, I got to move. Yeah. Just picturing them seeing my living situation was like the catalyst.
1: Yeah. yeah. They were freaked.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. They've heard since then. They've never seen pictures. They said they don't want to see pictures of of the guest house. house. (laughs) One night I woke up, I was on a food, I slept on a futon because who didn't? And uh, it was pushed up against the little window that was there. And I had a bad dream and I kicked through the window, like the
1: glass window. It was an adventure. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good story. Where'd you live? When I first got here? Yeah. Um, My, well, my dad grew up here. Okay. Um, so he had some friends who had daughters and I lived on sixth and Crescent Heights. Really? Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm very familiar with that area. Yeah.
1: A duplex right on sixth, you know, those old That's
0: boys. not a bad that's not a bad first place to live. No, it was great.
1: Yeah. It, it was great except I didn't know any of the girls and uh yeah, it was just weird. I mean yeah. it was three of us and Were they acting too? No. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. I had no idea.
0: <laughs> and you got signed with an agency right out here?
1: Yes. I, got, uh, I had gotten signed out of New York. And I told them at the interview that I wanted to come straight to L.A. And so they had some sister offices. And they set me up with a few agents. A couple of them turned me down. And then um, Koner, uh, I went and met with the, the team uh, at Conor And then I remember Pearl, who was the owner of the agency, said, well, Uh, I'll meet her. And it was very intimidating. Very.
0: At this point, you must have been used to that between high school and college.
1: Not, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that actually is a good point. I guess so. So matter. no matter how intimidated and scared as I felt, I had experienced it before and there was that little part of me that's like, and I had at that point been turned down by a couple agents Mm -hmm. and I was like, that's not happening again. Yeah, And so they brought me into her office. It was really dark. And she's like, okay, I just have one question. Um, you know, w- w- why do you want to be an actor? Or what do you want to do? What, what is it that you want to do? I looked at her and I said, I want to win an Academy Award. And that's it. Yeah. And she's like, what else? And I said, there is nothing else. And she was like, okay. And that was the end of the interview. And I had no idea whether I... I'd, bombed it or whatever and it took her probably about 10 years to take me a lunch and say by the way you know (laughs) it was when you said that that I knew you had the confidence to survive or at least the confidence of that most actors lack and I was going to sign you because of that also the Carnegie training of course but yeah but being able to translate that into
0: real life like that confidence is very very tough to find out here
1: yeah Which is sad. Yeah. Because it's the one, if I could give actors one quality, that's the only one. Confidence. Yeah. If I had to pick one, not talent, not drive, not ambition, like all that can be learned, but confidence is the most important aspect of our career, I think. I feel like I'm learning that. (laughs) Well, the whole system has been created on beating us down. Mm Mm-hmm picking us apart and that's the problem with with the training so you to to connect to that
0: so you have you acted in LA for 20 how long 20 something years 20 something yeah 20 something years and then you I've heard you say in class before that you decided you wanted to take a break and that's kind of when you found coaching
1: um no, I hadn't been acting that long. I'd been acting probably about a, uh, well, out here. I'd been out here 10, maybe 10, 15 years. Um, I try and avoid, you know, the age concept. But yeah. no, I'd worked quite a bit. And I was coming off probably one of the more successful years of my life. I mean, I'd worked nonstop for over a year and a half on two shows simultaneously on network television. Do you want to say what shows they were? Uh, judging Amy and Becker. Okay. Um, and at that time, like now you see actors cross over all the time. Um, but that time it hadn't been done. Especially on the same network. Oh, yeah, no. Um, and they're like, we'll just fly under the radar. Which, in hindsight, wasn't the smartest thing to do because one of the things, one of the last things that broke me and made me leave for the first or second or third time I left the industry. <laughs> Um, is 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 testing for a show with the with Hugh Laurie right before he did House. There was a pilot called Dragans of New York. I fell in love with this pilot, fell in love about an older man, his younger uh wife and their um detectives in New York, but very, very wealthy, living that lifestyle, but they're a husband and wife detective team. And I was I I I Hugh had decided I was his I was the one and we tested and he rehearsed with me for like two weeks. Like none of that happens anymore. Wow. That's amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And he's an incredible human being. And at the end of the process, I went in for CBS, um, network and Les Moonves was like, I have no idea who she is. No, we're going to go with someone who we have a holding deal with. And the pilot didn't go and, you know, their chemistry wasn't there with whoever they cast as the girl, but it it broke my heart. Like, it broke my heart. And here I've been on this man's network for a year and a half on two of his shows. Um, So I had to walk away. Mm.
0: How many auditions did you probably have for that? I don't know if people realize how much goes into
1: testing for a pilot. You know, it was about five um because because they knew who I was and it was for CBS and I'd been on CBS um there I may have been four I went in the first time and Hugh was there and he actually read with me in my first audition um but it was a producer session um And then got the call back, worked with him, then went in and did a work session with him and the director, then went in and tested for the studio of CBS, and then the network. Um, But it was over the course of, of two weeks, yeah. Long process, tough. The process will rip you apart. Well, I wrote you a letter after I didn't get it, and I said, I'm sorry, I feel like I disappointed you. Um, and I still have his note back, handwritten letter that he wrote back saying, um, that it would kill him to think that, that I would come away feeling that way and that he completely understood and it wasn't my fault and that it was his honor to stand at my side in that blood soaked arena, direct quote, and that it was my misfortune to stand in front of the network at a time when they felt like flexing their muscles and that only an idiot or a psychopath could do their best work under those conditions. And all of that, like I literally still have in writing it is engraved because I tell actors that and because that's how it feels. Yeah. Especially in the dungeon and CBS, you can feel the, the, the cries and the pain. Um, and yeah, the whole thing is just set up in a way that's just a nightmare for actors nightmare a train wreck yeah yeah so you took a break so i took a break took a break can't imagine why (laughs) took a break i think i think after that like they got me an audition the next day or two and it was like army wives or or touched by an angel or something Uh and it was a guest star and i didn't get it and i was like i I can't even fucking get on touched by an angel (laughs) fuck you all I'm done, I'm done um there's got to be more to life, and so so, yeah, coaching found me
0: how like how did that how did that happen did Did someone ask you for help or something yeah. like that
1: yeah actors um actors were always asking me for help, and I absolutely hundred percent believed that I should share everything and anything that I had learned um when I got here. One of the people who my dad had gone to high school with was Roland Perkins, and he was one of the five men who started Creative Artists Agency. Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing, amazing legacy and, and good person to know. And not that I ever expected him to sign me or to bring me on at CAA. He just was a mentor. And I think actors forget how important having a mentor is who you're not asking something for. You know, everyone, uh, actor that made no sense, but actors. No, I get it. Okay. Asking
0: something of them. Right. Like, yeah, like something comes out of it for both of you kind of thing. Just having someone there. Everybody wants something from someone here.
1: Especially if they're an agent. And so I've just never been raised that way. And um, Roland was always giving me really, really, really great advice. Um, What was the point about that, though? I was telling. How someone asked
0: you for help with coaching.
1: So Roland was always giving me advice and helping me. And I, the day he announced his resignation from CAA, I, I showed up to lunch not knowing, and I'm sitting in the office of CAA, and there in the middle of the trades, front cover, Roland Perkins resides, and he had chosen me to have lunch with. He was so generous with his time that way that I always felt like if, if an actor said, can I can I pick your brain or can I get some help that it was my responsibility to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them mm-hmm. and, and tell them everything that I had learned because no one had taught me,
0: you know, that's, that's literally the reason that I created the one broke actress. Like, oh really? Cause I was like, I feel like when people from, especially cause I'm from the Midwest and they come out here and it's just like such a culture shock and yeah. such a business shock and everything that, uh, The people from like my college and from back home would contact me and be like, you know, like, can do you have any tips? Do you have any advice? I'm like, I have so many stories. I'm afraid I'm going to scare you. But also, I want to give you the right thing. And I also feel like no one's helping each other. I feel like everyone's it's like so cutthroat, but we're not necessarily all against each other. And but, you know, we act like dorm actors often act like doormats so often. But then we also act holier than thou to other actors. And that has always bothered me so much. Um, so that's why I created the site and, like, kind of the brand to work on is because I want everyone to feel, like, a little less alone and, like, crazy all the time in their own little heads in this really weird world that right. we're all in. Right. So that's exactly wow. – that's, that's wow. what I'm going for.
1: That's so, that's so great and true – And it gives me
0: something to do when I don't have auditions, so I don't feel crazy. (laughs) Well, it's a
1: place for your creativity. Yeah, exactly. And knowledge. And one of the nicest things my mom ever said was, in her way, um, (laughs) is uh, I just wish you had had someone like you when you got to L.A. I wish you had someone like that who could... Have te- taught you. And that's what the, um, even the best hookers need pimps. That's why I wrote it. Yeah. You know, but of course, I'm totally not as nice as you. So I was like, well, <laughs> if I scare people, then they shouldn't be coming here in the first place. <laughs> but if they can handle this, if they can handle this straight talk, because uh-huh. the thing is, I believe actors can. And no one is talking to us and no one told us. There's so much people, there's so much talk about us behind our backs. Mm-hmm. And when I when I stopped acting for a minute and started coaching, people couldn't wait to talk to me. It's like when I, would sit, when I was working in a restaurant as a hostess and people would say, oh, you must be an actress. And I'd say, yes, they treat me like dirt. But after two weeks of me deciding that's not how I wanted to be treated and they'd say, oh, you must be an actress. And I would respond with, no, I'm a civil engineer. I just graduated Carnegie Mellon um they would say oh really i have a son um love to set you up with him you know like i had a whole story (laughs) because no one deserves to treat me i i'm not gonna let anyone treat me like that Mm -hmm. so i i was taught to lie you know trained to lie yeah
0: everyone's supposed to be you're supposed to be so like Grateful and stuff, and all this. Like, I, I recently no. wrote an article about like things to stop saying to actors. Like, you meet someone, and you're like, Oh my god, an actor. Like,
1: By the way, I- great, great article. Thank
0: you. I, I loved have, it. I've, yeah. And yeah. I, I just hate those questions. And someone uh, that I don't know um, commented on there, and they were like, You know, I feel like it's our job as actors to be gracious and kind. And I was like, Wait, I must, <laughs> I know, <laughs> you're going to do a spit take. I was like, I think I missed the memo because. I think my job is acting and I've never met a lawyer whose job is to be gracious and kind. I've never met an accountant whose job is to be gracious and kind and explain their job. Like, that's not how it works. I don't know why we think that we have to be the lower level of like, Oh, thank you so much. Yes, you're right. I am an actor da da da. Thank you so much for asking. Let me tell you about everything. You know what i mean yeah it's a, it's a fucking
1: nightmare it's so why like it's it- it's disgusting <laughs> it's- dis- it's just it's just awful and the thing is, I think you know this about me, Sam. I would literally give you the shirt off my back. yeah. if you walked in with the wrong shoes for an audition, you would take mine that I have done that. I've lost many pairs of shoes because of that. <laughs> Um, we have an actor who's working on a show this week and she was going out to the audition. I was like, you can't wear those shoes. You know, Marissa had the right pair. Uh. I was like, you've got to wear her shoes. I mean, you need the kids. Like, you know I'll do that. Yeah.
0: But, but being a nice person and being generous you cannot is difference be from being a doormat. be that
1: in Hollywood. No. You cannot. I have been the nicest person in the world and been trampled on and treated like crap. And whether it's me telling actors to stop doing that or, you know, a casting director the other day said to one of my actors, what is this notion that actors, not my actors, Mm -hmm. but actors still come in the room and think, I'm supposed to show that I'm easy to work with. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't, I don't care if you're easy to work with. I want you to come in and do your job. Yep. There's no one to, there's no blame. We all have to accept responsibility. But I can't tell you how many hundreds of actors, thousands at this point, have sat in front of me crying and devastated because no one in the world is saying what I'm saying. No one in the world is teaching what I'm teaching. I'll tell you the thing that, I don't think I've ever told you this, the thing that sold
0: me, because I've taken a million workshops. Like I kind of, I like to dip my toe in all the ponds, see what things about. But when I took yours, we were going through a lot of, a lot of stuff in a very quick amount of time for the two-day intensive. Oh, the weekend with. intensive, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. And you told someone was doing their audition piece and you were being the casting director and they finished and you said, um, thank you so much. And they were like, oh, thank you. And you go, no, no, no. I said, thank you. You say, you're welcome. Yeah. And I was like, this girl's speaking my language. <laughs> like, I work like because you work so hard in an audition, and then someone's like, "Thank you so much for coming in," and you're like, "Oh, thank you for having me." Blah blah blah. They didn't do shit to have you. They pulled your name up off a roster. They looked at your picture. Like maybe they talked to your agent. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's lots of steps, but whatever. But like you, co- you probably coached. You worked. You spent hours. You put an outfit together. You drove to the audition. You spent all of this time, and you're telling them thank you. Like, and I was like, this makes so much sense. Like we are we are awesome. We are bringing the heat to this kitchen. And like, I was like, this is, this is my girl.
1: Well, you know, I've been ripped apart for that. I mean, I've, I've, I had a manager once tell me that the reason, because she heard that I taught that in a class (laughs) and she called and was like, how dare you? How dare you? You don't teach my actors how to be in a room. You teach them how to act. And I said, I think you misunderstood who I am. No one tells me how to teach. Send your clients elsewhere. She's like, the only reason you're teaching is because you can't work enough as an actress. I'm like, have you looked me up? Someone said that to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, great. I said, go fuck yourself, you fucking bitch. And then I hung up on her. Um, Because, (laughs) you know, like... and, And then she called my agents. And no, and I got reamed on when I wrote for Backstage. That concept of you're welcome was, I mean, made people, like, really angry. And yet, the truth is what you just said. How many jobs have you had to take in order just to be there? Yeah. How many sacrifices have you made? How many times have you been on the way to, the, uh, to a party or to the airport and had to turn around because you get an audition? Like, the work that we have to put in... And and here's the thing. If you're an actor and you're not putting in the work, then you're not an actor to me... Thank you. It's true. Absolutely agree. You're an actor. It's not about the paycheck, because we don't get paid and we don't make money for a very, 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 very long time. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, we're always going to be broke. But (laughs) you're an actor when you're putting in the work, when you are... And that means taking two or three jobs to support the headshots, the real, the social media, the the gas, the Ubers, the hair, the trainer, the, we, our job is 24-7. And unlike casting directors who that is their job, we as actors have to have two or three or four jobs. We're running our own companies. We, you know, yeah, you spent an insane amount of time In order to get to that room and give a phenomenal performance. With the chances of you booking it being probably .01%. And you might have already auditioned for
0: those people 15 times. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I went in for Bialy Thomas probably for about five years. Maybe seven before I booked. And not once did I think, God, why aren't they casting me? I was grateful every time they brought me in. Yeah. I... Because they respect me, I respect them, they saw my work, of course I was grateful, of course I would send flowers, or I would send a thank you card without my headshot or resume attached. But this groveling, I think that so many actors are so focused on how miserable they are in their own lives because they're not working, that everyone thinks that they should just be a working actor all the time. Well, no, it takes two decades, it used to take a decade. Average if you had an agent immediately and were auditioning immediately, immediately, but that's not the case for the majority of actors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I wish that I understood this more when I first came here. What I feel like what I know now is that enjoy your life mm. and everything else and the work that you do will eventually accumulate to where you need it to go. But like, and you have to put in the work and stuff, but. My God, you really have to have a life. Like yeah. in the past couple weeks, I've had, I've had a couple quiet weeks, which right. I feel like everyone's so ashamed to talk about like, Oh my God, it's been so quiet. I'm like, I, do you know how much stuff I've gotten done? Right. Do you know how much like time I've, do you know how many dates my boyfriend and I have gone on? Aww. Do you know how many, I, I got to, went to a, a weekend trip with my girls last weekend. Like yes. I, I'm living this life that is so great. And when yeah. acting comes up, I'm like, cool, I get to go play today. I get to go work on this thing right. and I'm pumped. But I don't need that to make me go to bed happy tonight. And I think that that's – it's taken a long time for me to get here and it's still a daily struggle. It's – I mean, the idea that you can put so much into something and then do it and then walk away and not think about it is something that I still struggle with a lot. Like, because you put – you know, you and I worked on a piece last week and I loved that audition and it went well. And – uh. And I, you know, I then I got on a plane and went on this trip, and I came back, and um, somebody asked me like, "Did you come back about all the dad audition?" I'm like, "Wait, what audition?" Yeah, and I completely forgot. And I think that that's kind of where the the good stuff inside happens. Yeah, <laughs> because the work yeah. is there, and you do your work, and you do your part, but your acting can't be your whole happiness because you will be broken.
1: Well, it's just changed so much. Yeah, pilot season for me. 15 years ago, I would, you know, that's when I would print out my scripts, which I still do. Um, (laughs) But at the end of pilot season, I would have a pile of scripts that came up to, like, above my waist. Wow. I was auditioning two or three times a day. Wow. Networks were making 40 pilots, 50 pilots. And then when we hit the strike in 2007, everything ground to a halt. And it really changed, dramatically changed. The day and age of the working middle class actor is over. It needs to come back. I'm working with the union as much as I can in my non-free time. But it's become impossible for us to survive and make a living at it. Um, whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could do a guest star every, you know, four months and, and survive. Wow. You know, if you're, if your living costs were down and, you know, that's, that's changed and Hollywood is very much mirroring what's happening in our, in our world where the rich are getting richer and they're out for themselves and and the poor are getting poorer. Anyway, it's neither here nor there in, in terms of that whole tangent. Um, but I think that we we have to sacrifice so much. And again, if you're not sacrificing, if you're out going to parties and, you know, networking, which doesn't work. Right. <laughs> um, here's where, you know, because everyone's like, well, it's who you know, it's who you know. Okay, well, unless you look like, you know, a freaking supermodel, it doesn't matter who you know. Um, and... It made sense when I looked at, I was doing uh, George Clooney's pilot for HBO, Mm -hmm. and I looked at his team, who he had around him. It's everyone who he knew, who he grew up with, who he was living in a one-bedroom apartment, sharing it with five guys with. His hairstylist, his writers, his producers, those are all people he had gone, gone up with through the ranks. That's how it's who you know. Not I'm going to go to you know Soho House and meet Steven Spielberg and he's going to cast me in a movie that doesn't exist. And if it does it's like the 0.01%. Yeah. You don't get discovered in a coffee shop no. anymore. Sorry guys. No. <laughs> but but we're putting the work in the wrong areas. We're putting the work in people just taking massive amounts of classes. You know, I think actors are so lost. And there's so many people who just don't know anymore because no one is teaching what it really takes to book work and to act in today's film and TV. And so everyone's just class, 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 ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. And, and actors are going to classes for years and not learning anything. And even worse, they're learning things that then when they come to me, I know that I'm going to have to tell that actor, they just wasted three years and thousands of dollars taking Ivana Chavik's class. And yeah, I'm going to name names because I don't give a fuck. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I love about you. (laughs) When one of my working actors, who I will not name, but who I bow down to out of respect and admiration for the body of work she has, can't even believe that she comes to me for coaching, says that on set, she knows when someone comes from Ivana or Leslie because they can't do the work. They're so in their head that they can't get through a take. She asked me, she said, What who are these teachers? What are they teaching? That it's very, very confusing,
0: especially when you first get to LA because there's so many classes, and yeah. there's so many like the different um like types of things you can do and the different all these people have their own intricate, very interesting me- methods, and you take like tons of notes into this and that. And I've taken some of those classes in like a little form. Yeah. But and i was i remember i would go into auditions i audition mostly commercially when i first got out here and i was like i, I don't know if i'm a good actor or not like mm-hmm. i don't know i couldn't tell if i was doing good acting i couldn't tell if i was good or not i it was all i was like throwing you know dice in the air i was like i have no idea what's going on and i felt so confused i was like should i even be doing this am i any good whatsoever and then it slowly got broken down to me like like the, to me that is the worst part is to sit down and take like 10 pages of notes on a scene. That once I finally got on a set and saw how it worked and how quickly shit changes yeah. and how fast it moves yeah. and how many moving pieces are surrounding you while you are supposed to be small and still. I feel like that's when I was like, "Oh, yeah. I kind of get it now." Yeah. Like I kind of get what I was doing wrong and what I was doing right. And most of the time I was doing way too much yeah <laughs> like way too much it was like my character has a secret and all these things and it's oh, like God.
1: <laughs> oh no
0: <laughs> that was one thing a, a teacher oh, in God. college always have a secret but I was like does this mean for every audition so I <laughs> oh. I would go in for like my first commercial auditions and I would like, oh, no. be like brushing my teeth like with a secret <laughs> <laughs> What is your secret. It depends on the audition. Wow. Yeah. I know. I feel like when I was like, fuck it, I'm a girl who just broke up with her boyfriend. I know exactly what this feels like. And then I went in and I was like, oh, and they were like, that was great. And I was like, I didn't really do anything. Right. And I've told you that before. I'm like, man, sometimes I feel like I don't really do anything. And you're right. Like, that's probably good.
1: <laughs> no, that's where we want to be. That is where we want to be. We want to teach. We, I, I, you know, how I'll like come up with a quote mm-hmm. this week, I think, or last week, it was common sense over technique. That's what actors need to think about. What's the show? Okay and watch it mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still st- stunned you know this by how few actors like the whole like oh i don't watch tv are you fucking out of your mind then don't say you're you, you want to be doing it
0: i hate when people they like brag like you're i right. don't have a tv and i'm like what are you doing
1: that's not bragging right <laughs> that's stupidity <laughs> plain and simple
0: like, I don't have time. And I'm like, what, are you serious?
1: Then get out of class. You have to
0: do this.
1: I, I really would rather have actors go into TV night analyzation than go into m- the majority of classes out yep. there. Because I'm just undoing work. That if we treat it more like athletics and dance, um, that when you watch a, when you watch a ballerina or, an, or a dancer or an athlete, the play's look fluid and flawless but the amount of practice and hours that goes into rehearsing to make it look effortless that's what we have to that's what we have to start working on the thing the thing is when it's technique based it's getting actors completely away from their own instincts and how they would be in that situation common sense is What's the show? What's the tone? What's the feel? What's the pace? What's the vibe? Okay, cool. Walking Dead, it's really slow. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't seen it in a few months, then before I really start rehearsing, I go back and watch the show. Because I have to live in that world.
0: Now, for a question for you. If yeah. you, if it's a show that's had like three or four seasons yeah. and you're auditioning to be in like the next season, yeah. would you go watch episodes from the most recent season Exactly to get the, the current tone? Cause the pilot could be way different than what it is now.
1: Yeah. If you okay. watch the pilot of friends, it's totally different than where they ended up. So always watch the most recent. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, that can be a bummer. You know, I think I literally watched like the season finale of, or yeah, season finale of walking dead first ah. of, like season six or whatever it was. And I was like, (laughs) well, now I actually want to know what happened. Um, But, you know, we don't have a ton of time to prepare. Um, But if you literally put yourself in that world and then think to yourself, well, I've broken up with my boyfriend. I know how this feels. Or I know what it feels like um, to have this type of opinion and I know who I'm talking to. Okay, now, oh, this... I would never say this line this way. Well, unless it's Aaron Sorkin or Shonda, you know, very few writers until they're paying you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. And that's not just me. That's many casting directors. Every one of my actors who's booked. I've researched why every single one, what made a difference? What did you do in this audition? Um, So, if a line doesn't work, change it. That blows people's minds when I tell them that I oh, do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I know. Well, it's... people are still teaching you have to do everything that's written on the page. There is no... I want to be very clear. If <laughs> This is the one thing we walk away with. If you do everything that's written on the page, you will not book. And I have plenty of actors who can testify to that being true.
0: I remember we were doing a piece in class once, and you were like, oh, it laughed? You said you laughed? Yeah. It said laugh? Great. 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 <laughs> super (laughs)
1: let's make sure to make it as fake as possible (laughs) but why are we beating actors up this industry is hard enough an actor said to me in Atlanta I can't wait if you just get in there and rip me apart and I'm like I don't do that Mm -mm. I did I mean I went through a phase when I first started teaching and was developing this method like sure I get up in someone's face and, but I realized that all I need to do is just ask you about one of the worst moments of your life Ugh, you guys have to get in Sarah's class and do the song
0: exercise. Oh
1: yeah, I just did that in Atlanta for the first time. Ugh, did
0: it rip them apart? Yeah. That is a that is an emotional that is your yeah. own turmoil inside. Yeah. I still think about that all the time. Oof.
1: Well, you're taking class tonight, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Because <laughs> be I fun. never stop analyzing. I never stop studying and trying to figure out what really is going to get actors to book and what are, what is the method? Because everything I studied, everything you studied, everything we were trained to do has been based off of theater technique. Yep. I don't want to do theater. I actually, that's okay. I'm doing a play in Atlanta. I I wrote a play called downtown savvy with, um, Barrett and Jonathan, two of my actors a couple of years ago. It, but it's very like TV friendly. It's even, mm-hmm. I think it was like 38 minutes. Um, but I want to keep it very real and natural. And that's what we're looking for. We're not, like, you know, I want to eradicate the word character yeah. from Mornell Method. Because we're not playing characters. I'm not playing a 50-year-old woman. Okay, no, in Hollywood, I totally, like, they're totally trying to make me play 50-year-old women. <laughs> and, and, and that's great. Look, 50s the new 20 or whatever the fuck it is nowadays. But, you know, I'm saying, you, you know, like, you're not going to play a Latino But But in in our training in school, you know, I played a nine-year-old. I mean, if you can play a flaming stick, you can play a 90-year-old. Right? (laughs) But Hollywood ain't going to cast you like that. No. So know who you are. That's the work. The discovery for actors is who we are. I've been told my whole life everything about me is wrong. From my parents to my education to my training. no, no. No, no, no. Don't use yourself. Well, every powerful performance has always come from me because nothing substitutes for experience. Our point of view, our life experience, our story, how we see it. When people say, I need to do something special in the room, different, it's be you. Just be you in that situation. And don't walk in as a blank slate and a blank canvas. That's fucking bullshit. And you lose the job in a heartbeat. Yeah. I was talking to Rose Rollins in in Atlanta and she said, you know, one of my friends was at a callback and she knew it was her role. Like the sexy, 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 like Mm -hmm. hot Marvel, whatever. And she's in person, very quirky and funny. And, but she was because Rose will pass on what I pass on and it's all like go in as this person as this version of you, and present that. Mm -hmm. Because if you go in and show them who you really are, they're going to get confused. Right. And she said her friend, after the audition, it went so great, she relaxed. And they're talking with her, and she starts getting more into her natural self. And her friend said, I literally, in hindsight, remember watching their faces and thinking, oh, I'm losing the job. Because all of a sudden she was her funny, quirky, like, when she laughed, she snorted, you know. Right, 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 right. And that, it's like shrinking an erection. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That and that's how literal it is.
0: Because she was she was still being herself when she was doing the sexy, sexy. It was just that shade of herself. That shade of
1: herself. Gotcha. Exactly.
0: So, all of this being said, how has... All of this experience of coaching, of learning these things, translated for you as an actor in your work. Because it's gotta be like, I mean, sitting in class and watching four other people go, I walk away like, oh yeah, like I feel like I did, like I did something. Even in, like, we always work in your classes, which is, by the way, hot tip. If you're not working every single acting class, don't go to class. Right. Um, But even just watching people, I learn a great deal. Yeah. I liked being a reader. I like being engaged. Right. Um, so for you, having basically been like acting with people as what, as a job right. now, how is this? What have,
1: what has this learned done for you and your acting? I've become, I've never been so good, honestly. That's amazing. And what I'm learning by coaching as an actor is what I'm trying to teach. And it's how not to act. It's how not to put anything on. It's because I know when I stopped acting and I'm just present with the person, the scene starts to take shape in a way that's unique to me. If it says, you know, she's screaming and yelling, I never do that. And all of us do. We start and we're like, oh, it's supposed to be here. Instead of discovering it, we're just going right for where it's supposed to be, when in fact, that's not necessarily too, true, nor it, might, it it's supposed to be that way on set, but it doesn't work in the room. Mm-hmm. And we have to switch our auditions to work for the audition room, which means get rid of stage direction. Don't do it. That's not your job. You know, if you're drinking something in the scene, bring a bottle of water in. If casting says no prop, A, it's not a prop. B, what is the prop department getting paid for on set? You know, we're not miming. You want me to fucking mime for film and TV? All right, have, you, have you seen it recently? Yeah. No. Um, and finding my own voice, and also that the memory, when an actor says my memory is not that strong, then you need to work at it, because it's a muscle. And if you walk in and you're not off book, you're not going to get hired, Because, as you mentioned earlier, it does move so fast. And you're getting new pages in the morning. You're getting new pages handed right there while you're getting Mm touch-ups. So if you're not going into the room with that level of preparedness when you've had 12, 24, 36, 48 hours, then what the fuck are you doing? And get out of the cold reading classes because those are just crippling you. They're just teaching you how to use the page. So whatever coach is telling you just use the page and go in and be organic in the room is taking your money And not helping you. And that's disturbing. Because we need to be training for the reality of what it takes to book the job. And because there's it's no big deal if we just know the reality. But we're we're putting the wool over each other's eyes and saying no class is the end all be all. When most of the time when someone comes in and they're doing what they did in acting class, it's way too much. Yeah. It's way too much. It's why I teach in my living room. Mm -hmm. The rooms that we walk into are awkward and small and weird And we need to be teaching actors how to use different versions of themselves, different voices inside of who they are, different ways to pull from from an experience that you've had and who you can find inside of you to play different roles. But you're not trying to be something you're not. And there's traditional training shames us for thinking that.
0: Uh, With the room thing, I feel like no one ever talks about that. Yeah. And I'm actually about to write about this too, but people – when I came to LA and I start, first started going to auditions, I was like, "Oh, this is what these rooms look like." Because if you guys haven't been in an acting room, it's literally just like it might as well be a cubicle. Yeah. It's just a little small side room. Yeah. Like it's and there's usually one camera and a desk. People sit behind. If there's more than one person, then the video person videotaping you and you stand
1: on a piece of tape, and- or you walk in. And it's a conference room with people sitting at a conference table. And if you turn a certain way, you're going to block them off. Like, these rooms don't make sense. And I thought... And they're not theaters. No.
0: Although I have walked into a theater before and it completely changed. I was like, oh, shit. The CBS dungeon is... But it's like a it's movie like a th- theater, not yeah. like a... Oh, I've been theaters, theaters too, yeah. for film. Oh, I'm like, this is insane. But uh, I thought as I got to better and better auditions, like when I started going to network auditions and stuff, yeah. I was like, oh, these rooms are going to like look different. Right, right. It's the fucking same. Yeah. <laughs> they're all little holes. There's yeah. all someone with a small camera. And I was like, they're using the same shitty camcorders as like the non-union $500 commercial that yeah. I went out for. I know. It's like they're all all the rooms are the same. When I went in for a big, you know, network pilot, or when I went for a non union commercial, it's all a little square room. Yeah, it's dusty, it's dirty. You are dressed up, and you feel like an asshole. Yeah, because you're super dressed up, and you're sitting there. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally, totally. In fluorescent lights. Oh my god, yeah. Every time, so the rooms are the same.
1: It's look when I when I do have a production company in the next few years and am casting projects. I'm going to call you up and I'm going to say, Sam, I wrote, I, I have a project. I'm going to send you the script directly because I'm not going to go through your reps because they won't pass it along or they'll fuck up the deal. <laughs> and I'm going to say, hey, look at the role of Sam. I wrote it with you in mind or, you know, I the project crossed my desk and I thought of you. If you want to do it, let me know. And then I'll have someone reach out to your agents. But you will have to call them and say, this is what I'm doing. Um, because so much has become really destructive for actors and not helpful. And I don't need to an audition someone I've worked with. Yeah, I know whether you'll be able to do it or not. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of like, the, I mean, the audition process itself, as you know, I, I say it's set up to make us fail because it is. And the set of rules that we need to play by, no one taught me. No one taught you. And what they're teaching... On top of that is so far from the reality that actors are are falling to a new low because they're going in and thinking it's them. You know, yeah. because we're so nice and we're so gracious and because we're that, so grateful. It's our job to be kind and gracious. We don't say, <laughs> hey, I'm paying you. And I've sat in this class for three months and I'm bored and I haven't learned anything. Yeah. That like is unacceptable.
0: I have a friend who's in a class and when she hears this, she'll know who she is, but she's been in a class for a long time. She's paying a lot of money for it. Yeah. And, uh, she's been in it for over a year and she wanted to get some information on her from her coach and talk about her starting to look for a representation. And she was like, I'm afraid he'll say, I'm not ready. Oh my God. And I said, if you have been in his class for a year and he does not think you're ready for a representation. You have to
1: reevaluate. Yeah. Like, I just, huh. No, you, well, like with <laughs> Paul Kamarian, he came to me, he mm-hmm. did the intensive, he was a dancer, he had never acted. And he said, I want you to tell me when I'm ready. Oh, Paul, he would say that. I know. He's the smiliest
0: he's, guy. Oh my God, I love him.
1: <laughs> but I said, okay, can you give me, like, give me a few months? And I think after six months, I said, okay. But he'd never acted before, ever. And then we started working and getting an agent and a manager. But my job is to get you on set, not to keep you in class. That's my job. That's what you pay me for. And within eight months, he had booked his first guest star. That's doable. 100%. But we have to be teaching techniques that directly apply to getting the job. And so that's why I require now require the audition intensive before anyone gets into ongoing, because why why ethically would I put someone in ongoing acting class when they don't know how to audition, and the audition's the hardest part of our job. Let's just sure. start there first. Hundred percent. Yeah, hands down the worst part. Oh my god. <laughs> but but the program that I created is literally takes that guesswork out immediately. That's so why I created it. I can fix this is what I thought. I can fix this. I can help actors understand. It's why, you know, the, you know, if someone's been on a series or, you know, the Game of Thrones guys or the CSI series regular, like, they'll come and do that class. They don't need to get into an ongoing class. They just need to go, oh, right, the audition. It's a totally different art form, and I never learned it. And, and let's just teach, let's teach that. But the problem is whoever is teaching it, they haven't been in a room. They haven't been in a room. They don't know how hard it is. It's brutal. It's brutal. And then we're teaching people how to be fake and act. And how many times are you hearing nowadays just say the words? They're saying that because they don't know how to teach stop acting. That's what we're going to learn tonight. Yeah. And, it's, and that's, to get back to your question, that's what I've learned by coaching is when they say not acting, there is an art form to that. But it means learning how to be truthful and honest inside of yourself. And we don't do that on a daily basis.
0: Mm -mm. No, that'd be so raw.
1: (laughs) You're going to have so much fun tonight. scary.
0: (laughs) I love it. I'm excited. Um, Okay, so with that being said, that kind of wraps us up. So, uh if people want to know more about you and what you do and all the fabulous things that you have to offer, um because I know after this if I didn't know you before, I'd want to know you now. No, thanks. So. so, um how would they want to reach out to you? Um
1: I think the website has most of the information, um which is saramornell.com, s a r a m o r n e l l. Um and then follow me on social media. Um I really do try and post there um, what is upcoming. Um, I'm doing a Facebook Live next week, um, so Facebook is great. There's no other Sarah Mornell in the world, so if you just Google Sarah Coach, I'll pop up um, and do your research. You know, if it's not me and someone, it's someone else. Do your research. Be demanding. Um, if you're in a class and you feel like you're not getting anything out of it, get out. And get a group of friends together and start doing a TV analysis night. HBO versus CBS. Co-stars. Watch co-stars on TV all night. Analyze it. Study. But the, the journey and the work is finding all the, all the things that make you who you are and how to use that. Not working to try and be something you're not. That's my advice. I like it. <laughs> All right, um,
0: so that's all we got. Thanks, Sam. Thanks so much for sitting down with me. Love you, too. And bye, guys. I'll chat with you in a bit. So that was the first ever episode of the One Broke Actress podcast. I hope you guys liked it. I hope you found a few things you could take away from it, if not a ton of things. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Once again, you're the best. Just a reminder of what I said earlier, please subscribe and review the podcast. Send me screenshots of both of those things to my email, sam at samvalentine.net. And I will enter you in to win a fabulous prize box that I am putting together. You should do it uh if there's anything else you guys need you know you can always find me at onebrokeactress.com subscribe there as well and i want to extend a special thank you to maggie zabo who is the beautiful singer you hear on the intro to the podcast get used to it you're gonna hear her a lot you should look her up at maggie zabo on all the platforms and on soundcloud and on spotify this girl's gonna be so famous you guys get on board thanks maggie And with that being said, I will see you all next week.